Yes, housing policy did become a rather hot election topic this week, as if this overwhelming preoccupation and affordability crisis could become any more of a talking point for those trying to break into the market or to rent an affordable home or for those of us looking on at that that particular phenomenon. On the one hand, the Coalition's policies are focused on grants, known as the Home Guarantee Scheme, while Labor's newly announced policy is a shared equity scheme called Help to Buy. Now, this type of approach can be messy, but it's already used in various forms in some Australian states and around the world. In fact, a former Reserve Bank leader, Ian McFarlane, said this week he wished young Australians would become more angry about the inequalities of housing. So it's surely good to ask, who will be explicitly helped by these schemes? Rachel Ong Viforge is a future fellow and professor of economics at Curtin University, where she specialises in intergenerational housing wealth inequality and housing policy. Rachel, welcome to Saturday Extra. Thanks, Geraldine. I'm pleased to be on your show. Just as a matter of, do you wish that younger Australians got more explicitly angry about this? <laughs> Look, I do think that younger Australians are already very, very angry about this. Um, it, it, you hear about it when you talk to them, and the data doesn't lie. The fact is that um, intergenerational housing wealth inequality has grown and continues to grow, and it, it shows no sign of, of narrowing. It looks like um, young Australians are increasingly missing out on prospects of being able to access home ownership, and so it's increasingly important to look at ways in which we can assist them to be able to purchase their first home. So let's look at these two specific um, offerings. The ALP put its new housing policy up in lights at the party's campaign launch in Perth, and Hmm. that policy was a central theme. Could you distill how it would work, please? So um, at the Perth campaign, the Labor Party launched their Help to Buy scheme. So it is what you would call a shared equity scheme, um, otherwise also known as a shared ownership scheme, because the idea behind that is that the government actually contributes a certain percentage towards purchasing the house. And this is explicitly designed to lower the deposit hurdle that many people face in terms of being able to access their first home. Now, it's important to say that Labor's help to buy scheme is not just restricted to first home buyers. It's actually restricted to first and repeat home buyers as well as long as they're in low to modest income households. So Mm. there are income limits that apply. If you're a single person, your income must not exceed 90,000. And if you're part of a couple, then the couple's income should not exceed 120,000. So specifically, Labor is offering to contribute up to 40% um, on the purchase price of new dwellings and up to 30% on the purchase price of existing dwellings. What this means, of course, is that if you or in a low-income household that qualifies, then you really only need to pay a deposit on 60% of the purchase price if you're going for a new dwelling. And you'd also take out a mortgage loan just on that 60%. And the thing is, um, one aspect, one key aspect of this policy is that the, the buyer would not have to pay lender's mortgage insurance and the deposit requirement goes down to as low as 2%. Right. And what if the individual or the couple's income goes up once they've bought? Do they have to pay back the Commonwealth shares? 
Yes, they do. So once the um, household's income exceeds uh, a set threshold across two consecutive years, then they do have to start repaying the government's interest in the property. And the government, the Labor says it wouldn't charge any interest on those loans, am I right? But if the couple or the individual sold, they would be paid back and they would take a share of any capital gain that ensued. Yes, that's right. So it is not a loan scheme. So the government is not charging any interest on um, its share of the property. And the household does not have to pay the government any rent on the government's share of the property. Mm. The idea there is that when the home is sold, assuming that house prices have gone up between the time of purchase and the time of sale, there would be a profit on the sale. And the government would then reclaim its equity and also part of the profit upon Sale of the property. Now, in WA, this shared equ- there is a shared equity scheme already called Keystart. It's, I think it's been mm. since the start of the um, this century, um, and ele- apparently the shared equity is generally more popular with older buyers. So there are quite a few surprises in this. Mm. So Keystart was actually established in 1989. So that's more mm. than three Gee. decades ago. Yes, and it's actually not just a shared equity scheme. It's actually a broad umbrella program that offers several different schemes that targets low-income households to help them into home ownership. So the shared equity scheme is one branch of the Keystart scheme. And the shared equity scheme under Keystart actually targets Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander households, sole parents, and also people who are living in public housing but wish to purchase the home that they are living in. So it's not specifically targeted at first home buyers, but it's actually um, helping low-income people to get into home ownership. And this could include first and repeat home buyers. I mean, if you look at a sole parent, uh, a single parent, um, perhaps you know someone who's recently undergone a divorce or separation mm. but is looking to get back into home ownership, that yes, that person would tend to be in an older age group than um, a first home buyer. And what about non-performing loans in that group? Is, is there a problem there? Um, look, the Key Start program has been very, very successful over many, many years. Um, it is very, very well regarded in WA. In the case of the Key Start Shared Equity Scheme, again, um, the people, uh, the buyers don't actually have to pay an interest on uh, the government's share of the, of the equity scheme. Right. I suppose what I'm getting at is that because there was something like this in New South Wales and it fell over Mm. quite often. I mean, it's not easy to manage the capital, but quite clearly Mm. this hasn't been an issue with Keystart. And in fact, I read that it's turned a profit uh, for Mm. the state government. Yeah. So, Geraldine, I think the thing about Keystart is that it's got many different branches under it. So, when you look at the Keystart shared equity scheme, there's actually no loan involved. The government contributes 30% of the equity and um, oh, people can then start paying oh, back and buying additional shares if they're on a flexible plan. But I know what you're talking about because Keystart actually has another branch, which is a quite a huge, um, a huge program. It's called the Keystart Low Deposit, <laughs> Low Deposit Loan Scheme. So 
on that component of it, um, you know, people do get in with a very low deposit requirement, but they do have to take out a home loan at commercial interest rates. And this is where it could become a problem because they may find it difficult to manage their mortgage repayments when interest rates rise. Mm. Okay, we should move to what the coalition is offering. Um, yes. It's expanded its program to uh, assistance to home buyers in the form of grants and more places are on offer. Now, who qualifies for that? The coalition government is expanding its home guarantee scheme. And um, this, instead of an extra 10,000 places, it's, it's expanding it by 35,000 places. Um, so the income limits on the home guarantee scheme are actually higher. They would be $125,000 for single home buyers and $200,000 for those who are part of a couple. So they are actually targeting people um, whose incomes may be a bit higher than those that fall under Labor's Help to Buy scheme. And it'll it'll lift the numbers uh, the numbers of places on offer from ten thousand to thirty five thousand a year, won't it? And it reserve another five thousand places for single parents. Yes, that's right. So there is a variant there that is available for single parents. There's an extra five thousand places there, and uh, under the uh, family home guarantee scheme, which is the one targeted at single parents, um, you can be a first home buyer or a repeat home buyer. Um, however, the, the bulk of the scheme is actually targeted at first home buyers. Mm. Look, the broader context is that we're really trapped somewhat, aren't we, between very different attitudes to how you provide housing for low-income people in Australia. Now, there's another aspect, which is the provision of social housing, which I think Labor has committed to. But there's also the the question of Commonwealth rent assistance, which has, I think, gone up massively, three times, I think, uh, it's gone up, um, which has been become the more favoured way that you subsidise people into the private rental market. So, I just wonder how, how you see uh, the way through trying to work out how we think best about useful policy in this next decade? Well, I think there's actually no um, magic bullet to address the housing affordability crisis. We've got a problem that spans the entire housing system. And so this is where if governments continue to just focus on first home buyer subsidies, you know, it's great for those who are helped buy it um, to be able to purchase their first home. But that that sort of policy approach actually ignores the full spectrum of problems that we have, which ranges to the homelessness end of the spectrum. So you were talking about Commonwealth rent assistance. Um, There is an issue in the rental housing sector. The rental sector is growing and we're not building enough social housing. We have a wait list of about 150,000 households and that's not declining. Uh, nationally, that number has remained quite constant over time. So, But governments have tended to favour Commonwealth rent assistance. Mm. Um, and Commonwealth rent assistance, or CRA, is um, the main rent assistance measure that is available for low-income private renters. So the idea there is that it is paid as um, a supplement to your, um, your job seeker or your pension 
payment and you, you use that towards your housing expenses. But the problem with CRA is that it's inadequate. Uh, the numbers show that CRA rates have not kept pace with the rate of growth in real rents over time. So it's really lagged behind rent growth. So it's just not adequate to help people to sustain um, their affordability position. So, and that's why, you know, unsurprisingly, low income rental stress has gone up over time because mm. people who are on low incomes and are stuck in the private rental sector find that CRA is not enough and yet they can't get into social housing. Yes, well, so among, among the poorer older Australians, this is a Grattan Institute report, uh, say 45 to 54, 55% now own their own homes. 71% of those same people did 40 years ago. That's a pretty big drop, isn't it? Um, yes. And so, look, finally, just that allusion to older people coming in, I mean, there's, there's the great emphasis has been on young people getting in for obvious reasons. But see, you've yeah. really talked about, and I'm wondering about people who are coming out of divorces or separations, particularly women, um, yeah. they might be reading all of this with a great deal of interest as well. They don't get spoken about much. Yes, that's right. I think we, we've been very, very focused on first home buyers, or rather the policymakers have been very focused on first home buyers in their approach to assisting people to access home ownership. But the fact is that there are things happening at the other end, which is that sometimes when people get in, they find themselves falling out of home ownership, especially people on lower incomes. And, and when an adverse life event strikes, like ill health, redundancy, um, and, and for, for women, um, divorce, um, people can find it very difficult to sustain their mortgage repayments. And this is, of course, something that's going to become a huge concern because interest rates have started to rise and will likely continue to rise. So there are numbers of people who are actually falling out of home ownership as well. And these are older people. So once they do fall out, they can find it quite difficult to get back in. Mm -hmm. And if you're talking about single older women as well, uh, there are other complications. You know, they have very little in the form of superannuation, very little in terms of other forms of wealth uh, that they can rely on. And so uh, it is very, very important, I think, to look at how we can provide secure housing not just for those who can't make it into home ownership, but for those who are falling out at the other end as well. Yes, thank you very much indeed, Rachel. Um, it's good to have you um, analyse that. Thank you. Rachel uh, Ong Forge, for, V Forge, pardon me. And I just noticed that uh, one of your texters has said, can you ask who pays for repeat maintenance and upkeep of the house? That is actually the people who are the occupants of the house. I did particularly check that, by the way. We didn't get a chance to, to talk about that. But yes, that is part of your commitment that you continue to, uh, that you pay for all of that. And obviously, this has operated in Singapore for quite some time, that uh, payments towards your uh, rental housing go towards your equity, according to another one of our, of our texters. Thank you very much indeed. Look, we'll keep following this.